Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I want to say hello to our online audience, our campus at TCI Correctional Facility. Once again, everybody here in Warren. Guys, I'm excited about our guest speaker. Uh, he's a very close friend, but he also has quite a history here. He was our student pastor for 17 years, and so many of you know him, and he was a part of our lead team, and he just was an incredible blessing to me while he was here at Believers. But then God sent him uh, to Arkansas. He pastors a great church down in Arkansas, a big church with campuses, and he has spoken into my life over the years since he's left here and has just been a blessing to me, blessing to my kids, blessing to a lot of our leaders here at Believers. So we're excited he's with us, you know, but he does have one fault. And yet I decided, I decided even though he has a fault, I'm going to walk in the love of God and have him in any way. Um, and his one fault is he's a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. That's his only fault. And uh, other than that, he's a great, just a man of God, you know. But believe me, he's going to pick on me a lot here in a couple of minutes. But Mark, we're excited you're here. Leslie, we're excited you're here. And can we give it up for Pastor Mark as he comes forward to minister? All right. Well, good morning, Believers Church. All right. It was good to see everybody today. Can I want to welcome everybody. I, I call Joe Jr. Joseph. Pastor Joseph over there at Boardman. Good morning, crew, and his beautiful wife, Erin, and TCI. Right? Yeah. Yeah. TCI. Good morning. And, um, but hey, it is good to be here. I got to do this real, 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 real quick, though. I want, honey, will you stand up? Listen, I've been putting up with this woman for 41 years. I want you to give her a hand. Come on, give me a hand. <laughs> That's my wife, beautiful wife, Leslie, and I wanted to make sure that um, I introduced her. Well, hey, I am so honored to be back home in the house with Pastor Joe and Gina. I'll never forget the first time that I walked into Believers and the first time I heard Pastor Joe teach. It was really interesting because when I left the service that day, it was the first time that I could remember leaving church and feeling like I can actually do this. Like I could actually leave, live this life. Because for so long I would leave church and I'm not gonna, it, not the fault of anyone, but I would just, I would leave church and feel like I just can't, I can't get it right. I'm just never gonna be there. Just, it just all, but when I left for the first time, uh, that life giving teaching that I got from Pastor Joe, man, he made it just, I, I can do this. And I began to think about, he has been doing that, him and Pastor Junior, for, oh, what, what, 40 years now. Can we give it up and honor our pastors? They've done an amazing job. <laughs> well, I want to jump right into this today, but one thing Pastor Joe did, you know, not, not mention, um, that I can be somewhat prophetic. All right, I'll, I'll let you judge this. Maybe he just, he's forgotten, but... Um, uh, and actually, I'm going to be speaking to you, Joseph, over there at Boardman. I, I had a dream the other night. And in that dream, Pastor Joseph Jr., he, he died. I, I know. I, I, I. But two other guys died at the same time. And here they are. They're standing at the gates of heaven. St. Peter stops and says, now, wait a minute. Before we let you into heaven, we want you to know there's one thing you can't do when you get to heaven. You can't lie. If you lie, the ugliest woman in heaven will be attached to your side for eternity. So the first guy, he made it about a week and a half and he lied about like the Cleveland Browns being a championship team or something, bam, ugliest woman. Oh, I'm sorry, ugliest woman attached to his side for eternity. 
The other guy made it about two and a half weeks and he lied about, you know, about being rich and famous. Bam, ugliest woman attached to his side for eternity. So they're walking down the streets of gold with the ugliest woman in heaven and all of us, a sudden they see Pastor Joseph, Pastor Joe Jr. And he is the most beautiful girl you ever want. I mean, looks a lot like his wife, Erin. And they're looking at him thinking, how in the world? And so they walk up to Pastor Joseph and, hey, hey, how did you get her? And he said, ask her. And she said, I lied. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was funny. I don't care what anybody, that was funny. <laughs> oh. Hey, listen, today <laughs> we're definitely going to have some fun, but, but, but I want you to know that I want this to kind of be a, a holy reverential type time as well. You know, about 30 years ago, and some of you are going to know who this person is. I'm not going to name any names, but he was one of the best-known evangelists on the planet. He was in federal penitentiary, and this was all over CNN and every single night. Everybody knew this story, and he was being interviewed while he was in jail by another evangelist. His name is John Bevere, who actually wrote a great book about our topic today, of God, and John was talking to him, and this is what that evangelist said to John. He said, the first thing he said was, this prison that I'm in wasn't the judgment of God. He said, actually, he said it was his mercy. Because he said, if I would have continued to live the way I was living, I would have ended up in hell forever. And so he said, Jesus actually delivered me from all the evil, even up to the first year when I was in prison. It was four, it was four years at this point. And then John asked him this. He said, at what point do all of this, did you fall out of love with Jesus? When did it happen? How did it happen? And the evangelist said, I didn't. And John said, wait a minute, you committed adultery seven years earlier. You had all this mail fraud, this money fraud. What do you, what do you mean? You, you, you didn't fall out of love. You loved Jesus all the way through that? And the evangelist said, yes, I did. But he said, I didn't fear God. And it hit me. And then he said, there are millions of Americans just like me. They love Jesus, but they don't fear God. So today, what I want to talk about with you is I want to talk about the fear of the Lord and how God demands that of us as Christ followers. Like, like the fear of the Lord, the sense of, of I need to take God more seriously than anything else in my life. Proverbs 9, 10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, if that's true, the opposite is also true. If the, it, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, then lack of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of stupid. <laughs> anyway, I can say that because I've been stupid. But if you ever wonder why some people are being stupid right now, it may be because they began to lose or they've lost the fear of the Lord. In Luke chapter 12, verse four and five, the nicest man in all the scriptures, his name is Jesus. Look what he said. He said, I'll tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. He said, but I will show you. Notice he didn't say tell you. He said, I'll show you. Actually, the prophet Isaiah prophesied hundreds of years before that the Messiah, Jesus was gonna come and was gonna show us what the fear of the Lord and how to walk in the fear of the Lord. And he goes on to say this. Jesus says, I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you to fear him. So like, what does that, that mean? 
The Bible talks about this over 300 times. It's all over the old covenant. It's all over the new covenant. It talks about we need to fear him. So, so what does that mean? Well, we were born, all of us, with two natural fears. And I think most of you know this. We were born with the fear of falling and we were born with the fear of loud noises. All the other fears we, we kind of uh, you know, acquired during our life. Actually, the, the average Northeastern Ohioan, if you live here, has nine, actually have nine dominant fears. And at the top of that list is that the Cleveland Browns are gonna have another rebuilding year. <laughs> at the top of that. Okay, listen, it's on, if it's on Facebook, it's true. I'm getting this stuff off Facebook. Okay, anyway. <laughs> hey, but you know what the number one fear of Americans is right now? It's so interesting, it's corrupt government. It used to be 20-something on the list, and now it's number one. Now, I know this is going to surprise you, but where I do cardio, you know, I'm looking at that brother, I don't do no cardio. Where I do cardio, there's parents that are teaching their kids how to drive. How many have taught your kids how to drive? Raise your hand. Okay, you younger couples, you need to listen up. You're going to learn some things here. Because when you start teaching your kids how to drive, everybody remember how like, like nervous, they were, fearful they were? They'd grab the wheel with two hands, you know, they'd be breathing like, and you could just tell. And you were glad that they were afraid because they ain't very good drivers in the first place. They better be afraid, right? But, but, but what would happen? What, what would eventually happen? As they would practice, it's not that they would get any better, but they would start to lose their fear. And that's where I'd get scared. You see them driving, they have their hand up over the thing, they're leaning back, the phone's on the knee. You know what I'm talking about right there? It's like, oh, no. I'm gonna help you out, parents. Listen, a recent stat says that uh, at 60, if you get in a wreck at 65 miles an hour, it's like driving off a 12-story building. So you look at your kids, they drive like you're on a 12-story building. But anyway, hey, there's this disease called Urbach wife and it's a weird disease that, that you get into your brain and it causes you to lose fear. They studied this disease because this lady was in England. They had her in video. She was being mugged. And in the middle of mugging, she was giggling. And what they found out she was doing, with, she was giggling. She was telling the muggers to take the knife off her throat because it was tickling her. And the muggers were like freaked out. This woman's insane. So they took off. So they, they found this woman. They started studying her brain, doing brain scans. And they realized she had a condition, make a long story short, that over time, her sense of fear had diminished down to nothing. Like she doesn't get afraid of anything. And literally the doctor said this about her. They said her lack of fear is causing her to live in peril. And I wonder, I just wonder, the longer that we're believers, that we catch a disease as well. When it comes to our relationship with God, that we lose a bit of our fear of the Lord in our own lives. Here's Jesus, he's talking to his followers, the people that are following him, he's telling them, and you, 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 you got to fear. And the one you got to fear is God. In Acts 9.31 it says, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. I want you to watch this because they were winning souls like crazy. And that's the heart and soul of BC, the win souls. Look, it says that, <clears throat> that this is what they were doing. They were living in the fear of the Lord and they were encouraged by the Holy Spirit and it increased in numbers. So here's the question. What is the fear of the Lord. 
You know, growing up, maybe you were like me. I thought the fear of the Lord was being scared of God, like he's gonna zap me one day. Or I thought it was like trembling of the father standing before God one day and facing him because he's gonna be ticked off. I mean, for valid reasons, would you agree? He has a lot of reason to be upset with us. He's gonna be ticked off at me when I get up there. But I wanna make something really clear today. I want you to get this in your holy imagination. No, that's not the fear of God. No, actually, you're gonna be, he's gonna be more excited to welcome you into heaven than you are gonna to be, to be there. He's gonna look at you and say, I've been preparing a place for you for a long time. He's gonna say, welcome home. So if that's not the fear of the Lord, which that is not the fear of the Lord, what is the fear of the Lord? Now, if you're not a Christ follower for the unbeliever, the fear of the Lord for an unbeliever is the fear of judgment. It's the fear one day, you know, one day being separated from, separated from God. But I'm speaking to the Christ followers today. And here's the definition. If you're taking notes of the fear of the Lord, it's a holy reverence. It's a sense of awe that causes continual submission to God. It's this sense of awe that, that like as long as you breathe, like when you talk about God, you're gonna wanna worship him. When you talk about God, like you can't say his name in vain. It's this reverent or holy reverence, this sense of awe that causes a continual submission to God. So how do you regain the fear of the Lord in your life. I know some of you are thinking out there, you may be asking yourself that question. I'm gonna give you two things real quick and you can write them down. Number one, how do you know that you need to regain the fear of the Lord in your life? Number one is you become flippant or casual around spiritual things. Just sort of like flippant and, and, and casual. Like it doesn't hit you in the gut anymore. Like, like I, I, you're getting a little bit callous towards the things of God. You're not serious about your faith anymore. It's just kind of flippant. Like, like the name of Jesus and, and the things of God. It's almost like it doesn't matter as much as once it mattered to you. And see, the most important thing I'm gonna tell you today, and you gotta write this down because Paul said this. You gotta get what I'm getting ready to tell you. Paul said this, and Paul said there's, there's two things that we got to behold about the Lord at the same time. He says there's two things, and some people call this the disease of the church. Other people, like, I, I would say it's definitely a challenge of a church, but the two things that you gotta behold about God at the same time, Romans 11:22, it says this, the goodness of God and the severity of God. He says, I want you to behold. The NIV says it like this, behold the goodness and the seriousness of God. And this is what's happened to so many people. We're holding on to the goodness of God, but we forget the severity or the seriousness of God. Let me explain it like this. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna need your help a little bit, church. Okay, let me say, say it like this. God is great. How many know God's gracious? Can I hear like a who, anything, breathe heavy? Song? Okay, he's gracious, right? But listen, he's also holy. You know, God is forgiving, right? I mean, he, he aces that. I mean, how sweet it is, his forgiveness. He is forgiven. How many know that? Give me a little, uh, anything. Yeah, we know he's forgiven, right? But guess what? He's also righteous. And he, he commands us to be set apart. How many of you know that he's a God of a second, third, fourth, fifth chance? I can't count any higher than that, but how many of you know he's a God of another chance? Amen. That's the goodness of God. But, He's not here 
to negotiate with you about your life. He's here to be the Lord of your life. And Paul said, there's two things you've got to behold about God at the same time. And when we become flippant, when we become so casual, we, we've, we lose something. And you know what we end up losing? We end up losing a little bit of our first love. How many remember first love? You remember first love? Yeah, I remember when Leslie and I, when the, the first, I mean, we were googly-eyeing over each other. And I, I can remember back in the day, the dates, I mean, everything was good enough back then. Like the dates, we would, get the, we would have Augustine's frozen pizza. Like we would put it in the oven. If you want to know the original Greek, it's called manna. That's in the original Greek. Augustine's frozen pizza, we'd have chip. And then I was a romantic. I'm just going to tell you straight up, I was a romantic because we'd sit down and we would watch Gunsmoke. Remember Festus? Come, come on, Marshall Dillon and Kitty. But anyway, she doesn't remember watching Gunsmoke because she was so googly-eyed over me. She couldn't take her eyes off me. But anyway, that, that's all other thing. And, and listen, if I would get her if I would go, we go to Burger King, if I would get her a Burger King, this is so true, don't you lie. If I would get her a Burger King chicken sandwich with lettuce and extra mayo and some fries, I was the brother. I'm going to tell you right now, I was the brother. It was good enough. You know, now I got to sell a kidney or something to take her out in a day. But back then, I mean, it was good enough. Let, let, me, give you, let me give you a scenario. You guys thought it was hot here for a while, right? You thought it was hot? Listen, in Arkansas, it was like, over 100 degrees for like four or five months. And I mean, you get to the point like, you're just like, I am tired. Like it ticks you off. Like you get out of the car at Walmart, you know, and you get on that asphalt and you're walking and it's like 114 degrees coming off the asphalt. It's like hell's burning your, singeing your hair legs. You know I mean? It's just, ah, oh, you're just like, ah, oh, I hate this. And then you get in your car and you can't touch the steering wheel because it's so hot. You got to turn the air conditioning on and you just get tired of it. And you're frustrated. And then I jump in the car and I'm driving. Hey, anybody playing pickleball? Is there pickleball around here? Anybody playing pickleball? There's all these pickleball courts and all these people are acting out out there playing pickleball, acting like it's not hot. And I'm looking over there, I'm thinking, what? And I pull to the side of the road, it's 113 degrees. And they're over there playing, it's not hot, it's not hot. Guy has a heat stroke, oh, it's worth it, it's not hot. I mean, it was just, they were just like, I just, I'm looking, I'm thinking, what in the world? Like, how? And then, and then I'm, I'm saying they're out there playing. And I went, that is just so... It's so, help me. No. No. It's so first love. Write this down. First love makes the time, ignores the inconvenience, endures the pain, and signs up to do it all over again. That's first love. And if you're like, my faith is not like that, like it's not making the time. It's not ignoring the inconveniences. It's not enduring the pain, the hardship. It's not signing up to do this until Jesus returns. If that's the case, then just maybe you need to return or regain the fear of the Lord, the reverence and awe of God. Number two, the second thing, to help us to know we need to regain the fear of the Lord is we have unaddressed compromise in our lives. <clears throat> we have compromise in our lives. You know, it's one thing to stumble, right? How many, I'm gonna ask you a question. How many have sinned in the last year? Raise your hand if you sinned in the last year. If you don't raise your hand, God may get you. I'm just telling you right now, he may get you. Okay, yeah. How many, how many of you sinned in the last week? Raise your hand. 
No, oh, put him down, Pastor Joe. That was all your leadership again in your life group leaders. I apologize. Forget we asked that question. No, yeah, we, we don't send, the leadership don't send around here, brother. <laughs> but, but listen, listen, my point is, it's one thing to stumble and sin, but it's another thing to become friends with the world. There's a difference between making a mistake and living in rebellion. Let, let, me, let me define rebellion for you. You may want to write this down. Rebellion is when you have compromise in your life and you have no intentions to get it out of your life. Let me say it again. Rebellion is when you have compromise in your life and you have no intentions to get it out of your life. Every time God says no to us, we got to get this. He, he's saying it for our benefit. So many people have this false view that he's this killjoy up there in heaven and he's looking down and saying, well, they're having a little bit too much fun. Let's put a rule here and a rule there and a rule here. But it's complete opposite. He's looking down from heaven and thinking they are jacking it all up. They are messing up their lives. We got to give them a boundary here. We got to put a curb around here. We got to help them out. He's saying, don't do this. Don't do that because he wants us to have our best life. And every time the devil says, do it, his whole goal is to kill, steal, and destroy. Because that's the only way he can get back at God. Listen, we need to be holy. We need to have a sense of awe and a reverence and holy convictions in our lives. So what I want to talk about right now is I want to talk about how do we return to our first Love. And I want to focus on a king. His name is King Uzziah. You'll find his story in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. And I want to encourage you to read that this week. And this, that whole chapter will jump off the page to you when you read it for yourself. But I'm going to kind of just give it an overview for time's sake. But King Uzziah, he became king at 16 years old. And he was actually trained in the fear of the Lord. And the Bible said he began to prosper. Now, but before I get, before I go there about him, I want to say what he should have been remembered for. We know King David as what? A man after God's own heart, a great king. We know King Solomon as the wisest man to live next to Jesus, a great king. And King Uzziah should have been right under that as the greatest entrepreneur to ever live. When you look at the history of this brother, look, he, he changed the economy of Israel. He opened up um, international trade when he was over the military. He crafted armor for the military. He invented new weapons. He figured out all of the agriculture, teaching him how to grow these vegetables and these fruits. He actually figured out how to literally irrigate Israel. He should have went down in history as one of the greatest kings ever to live. But he lost the fear of the Lord. And the Bible said he actually died a leper. So I want to talk about three things, three things when we study the fear of the Lord. And I'm, only, I'm going to give you three things that you can write down, but we're only going to talk about one. Number one is you got to let your worship stay at a boiling point to grow and to walk in the fear of the Lord. Number two, you got to live by God's word with humility. And number three is touch not God's glory. Don't steal God's glory. Don't take the credit for anything that God has done in your life. So let's go back to letting your worship stay at a boiling point. How many of you love music out there? All kinds of music. Anybody here love all kinds of music? I love all kinds of music. The only music I have trouble with is a 
I, I, that's the only music I just haven't been able to figure out. But I love all the kinds of music. I love love songs, right? I, I love the fact that there's stations written about love songs. I mean, I mean, I don't know if there's any other subject that was, you know, there's more song than, than love songs. And I'm a little bit old school. You young people aren't going to get what I'm getting ready to say. I feel bad for you. But I, I'm old school because I love it when a man is singing a song and then he stops and he starts talking. You know what I'm talking about? You know, yeah, he's singing this love song and all of a sudden he'll stop and he'll go, baby, I've been loving you for a long, long time. <laughs> Ever since I seen you at Burger King, baby. But anyway, <laughs> oh, you how many remember those kind of songs? Anyway, two or three of us. Okay, but anyway, it's a bad song. But do you know that there are more songs that have been written about Jesus? And it's not even close than any other thing in the world that the world calls Christianity a singing religion. And we know Christianity is not a religion. We know it's about a relationship that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, anybody? That's what, how we, and how, and there's a pairing in that relationship of worship and the fear of the Lord. So how do we regain the fear of the Lord? Is we worship. Got to be at a boiling point when we worship. See, this is what we do. A lot of times when we come to know the Lord or we rededicate our lives at some time in life and we just don't know how to worship, what we do, we kind of just we, we revert to what we knew growing up. Like, you know, if you grew up a Baptist, you, you, you worship like a Baptist. If you grew up a Presbyterian, you worship like a Presbyterian. If you grew up, you know, um, you know a Catholic or, you know, Episcopalian or whatever, you, you'll worship like that. If you grew up a Pentecostal, you crazy. I mean, you know, however, you know, you, 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 that's how you'll, you'll revert to worship. The second thing that we do, and I think most of us can relate to this, is that most people worship in a way that protect their own ego. Now, I'm, I'm gonna go here for a minute because I don't know if you knew this, but God has already told us how he wants us to worship him. He literally taught us and he teaches us in the book of Psalms how to praise him. He says things like this, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I was watching a football game uh, the other, a couple weeks ago and, and there was this commercial came on and please excuse me for this. It was the Modesto beer commercial. And why it grabbed my attention because it was kind of like, it was kind of slow motion, all of these different age groups and people in this crowd, this football game. And, you know, and, and, and so they would show them throwing the beer up like this and going. And then another one, I mean, young and old. And I'm watching all of a sudden, then it hit me. Like, wait a minute, that's in there. It's innate. We have it that we have that ability on the inside of us. And what holds us back is our ego. What holds us back is the fear of man. What holds us back is the things that we have learned and the walls that we have built up over all the years. And what I'm referencing here, I'm not referencing to volume because obviously I'm a loud person and some of you are. I'm re referencing a heart posture. There's a heart posture on the inside that wants to shout to the Lord. There's a heart posture on the inside that wants to worship God the way he teaches us in the book of Psalms. And I've learned not to worship in a way that I'm able to stay in my comfort zone. I've chose to worship in a way that God's asked me to worship him. I mean, like lately, he's been having me drop to my knees. And, you know, some people, like, when you, when you say lift up holy hands, they're like, man, I didn't do that growing up. But what he's saying is, oh, when you lift up holy hands, you're saying, God, I surrender. I surrender it all to you, God. You're worthy. You are worthy of all of my praise. 
I'm going to make a strong statement, and I want you to think about this statement because it is true. When my worship is cold water, the fear of the Lord or the reverence and awe for God is too in my life. But when my worship goes up, the reverence and fear of the Lord goes up as well. And let me explain this, getting back to King Uzziah. He had someone teach him how to do this. It was the prophet Zechariah. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 26, 5, it says that he set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. Now, Zechariah realized this 16-year-old young man, Uzziah, this dude was talented. He knew that he would be great. He had these gifts and abilities. He knew he needed to try to unlock them. But before he unlocked those things, he needed to unlock the fear of the Lord in him first. Now, now notice what the verse says. And it says, as long as Uzziah sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Zechariah was basically telling the king, listen, you, you got to make yourself, when it, comes to, when it comes to these things, you got to make yourself small because you're going to do some great things. But you need to make yourself tiny. And the way you do that is you got to worship God. Now, you know, our culture is just totally, it's totally opposite. Even our nature is totally opposite. You know, we hear things like make yourself big, stand out, stand tall, like build your platform, get your followers, you know, own the room, own the money, go big or go home or whatever. But what Zechariah was teaching him was when you make yourself big in this world, the fear of the Lord will be tiny in your life. So he taught him this over and over again. And this is what he was saying. To be great in life, to truly be great in life, you've got to get your eyes on the greatness of God. And you've got to magnify him. When I was studying this, the Lord spoke to me, and this may not be for you, but this is what he said to me, and I needed to hear this. He said, because if I don't do that, he says, I'll take the credit for the greatness of God in me. And I'll magnify myself. Everywhere I go, I'll make me bigger. And not intentionally, but I'll make God smaller. I think about church. You know, we need to get our eyes on God. When we come to church, what is worship? I want you to go here with me. What is worship in the word for? Worship in the word is to make God bigger. Now, we know we are never going to make him bigger. He's as perfect as he's ever. He's just perfect. But what it, what it does, worship in the word, is to make him bigger in who? In us. And this is what Zechariah was doing. He said, oh, magnify the Lord. Actually, Zechariah was teaching him this principle in Zechariah 4, 6. He said, it's not by might. It ain't about you, nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now, I need everybody to lean in because we're going to get ready to land a plane here, but I, I want you to get where, where I'm going here now. Because as long as Uzziah sought the Lord, he would worship God in this way. But the Bible says that God did marvelous things through Uzziah until he got strong. And there's a principle there. I want you to think about your life right now. God works through you until one day you say, I got this. I'm strong. And he did it until he was strong because when he became strong in his eyes, the reverence, the awe, 
of Almighty God, the fear of the Lord became smaller. And when you read the story about him, he was doing all these mighty things. He developed engines, developed catapult, developed these arrows, like almost you shoot like a machine gun. He did all these crazy things. He changed warfare. He changed everything in Israel. He should have been known as great. But one day he walks into the temple of God. He goes to a place that only the priests were permitted. He took incense from the altar. And what he did in his own mind, I mean, he has been an amazing king. And what he did, he started taking all the credit for all the blessing. He started saying, I built this. Oh, I did this. I built that. Oh, no, I, I built this. And so he goes into the, 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 the temple and he, he's taking the incense or the glory uh, from the altar. And Second Chronicles says it like this, 26, 16. But when he was strong, Isaiah, he grew proud to his destruction. And what happened? He lost the fear of the Lord. And you can write this down because I'm gonna tell you every single one of you, this is a truth. And it'll come alive to you at some point in your life because you're either gonna walk in this reverence and awe of God in the fear of the Lord or you end up walking in the pride of life. Uzziah became big and powerful and he used to be small and humble and hungry for God. And burning incense on the altar meant he wanted more than just political authority over the people. Now he wanted spiritual authority over them as well. And in the end, in the temple, he got leprosy. And it's interesting because all of these years, these amazing things that he did, he was never remembered for any of the good he did. He was remembered as a man who died as a leper. He ended up living alone for the rest of his life and he dies a leper. And one of the saddest verses in the Bible was he could not be buried in the graveyard of the kings. He had been buried outside that graveyard. And when people would go to see his grave, they would see their lies, a leper. And this is the truth, everybody. You're going to, and some of you have, you're gonna accomplish some things in your life. But the longer you live life, you're gonna realize that nothing matters in your life. Nothing will last without the fear of the Lord. And knowing Pastor Joe and Gina for all of these years, them being pastors in our lives, through the good, bad, and ugly, through all the things they have fought through, the one thing they've always stayed steady with was the reverence and awe and the fear of the Lord in their lives. And that's why BC is standing here today. So when it comes to worship, the word, and the glory, what do you do? Well, you go to God. God, it's all about you. I'm gonna read Psalms here in a moment, just to David, we're gonna close with that verse, but I want you to ask yourself a couple questions. Where's the seriousness of God in your life right now? Are you really serious about the things of God? Let me ask you this. When, when you're worshiping him, are you magnifying him? Are you just caught up in the emotion of it all? I mean, are you, is he becoming bigger in your life? And the third question is this, are you taking the credit for all that he's done in and through your life? Psalm 71, David, 
He said, my success at which so many stand amazed. David said, David wasn't gonna lie about it. He, he was just, he was just, he was just gonna be straight. He said, hey, listen, people are impressed by all that I've done. But look what he does. He was like, <laughs> he, he was like, uh, the success at which so many stand amazed is because of you, my mighty protector. You see what he did? He didn't swallow the compliment. He deflected it where the glory needed to go. He deflected it on God. And he goes, all day long, I praise and I honor you, O God, for all that you have done for me. So how do we increase the fear, the reverence, the awe of God in our lives? Because I believe every one of you want to. Listen, we got to say, God, it's all about you. Like say, for instance, your marriage, you're, you're acing it right now in your marriage. You say, God, it's all because of you. Say in your career right now, or in your relationships right now, or in your, in your, in your job, or in your finances right now, he's the protector provider. He's the one that brings health. You need to say, hey, God, no, oh, hey, this is all because of you. Say your kids are on fire for the Lord right now. When you grow in the reverence and all God, you're saying, hey, God, my kids are on fire because of you. And you watch. I'm going to double dog. No, I'm going to, I triple dog dare the service today. I'm going to triple dog you too. I triple dog dare you all week long, every day, to take time to worship God for the blessings He's given you in your life. And I promise you, by the end of this week, if you take sincere time and you begin to lift up God and give Him all the glory, you watch how the reverence and the awe and the bigness of God grows in your life. So with heads bowed, eyes shut, guys, thank you for letting me share with you this morning. I wanna ask you a question. Do you need to restore a sense of awe? Do you need to, to restore a conviction, a desire to be holy, to walk in his word, to give him all the glory, to, to make him bigger and you smaller? comes to worshiping him and giving him the glory he deserves. It comes to living his word with humility and it comes from not touching his glory. But if God is speaking to your heart today in this area and you're saying, Pastor Mark, this message has spoken to me and you want this to be one of those messages that you don't leave here and three or four days later, someone says, man, it was, hey, I was son, well, that was a good message, but it made no impact in your life. You're one of those out there saying, hey, what God started in me today, I want him to finish. I want him to complete. I want to walk in the fear of the Lord at a whole new place and a whole new level in my life. If that's you and you want me to pray for you today, just lift up your hand real high as I look across the room. This spoke to me, Pastor Mark. I'm seeing hands all over the place. Okay. Father, I lift up every single person in this room. I love the way your Holy Spirit speaks to each and every one of our hearts individually right where we're at. And I pray, Lord, what you have started in them that you will complete and it will produce your desired result in and through their lives in Jesus' name. And with heads bowed and eyes shut, no one looking around. Maybe you say, Pastor Mark, you know, when I walked in here today, to be really honest with you, there was not a whole lot of God to be found anywhere 
anywhere in my life. And today, as I've been sitting here, man, I've felt the tug and that's what that is. That's the Holy Spirit, God loving you. You felt the tug on your heart. And today you're saying, Pastor Mark, yeah, I, I, I may have, have had a, met him at one time. I may have walked with him at one time, but somehow, some way, I've gotten way out there and I haven't been. And today I want to get my life. I want to get it right with him. I want to put him back where he belongs, center stage of my heart and life. And there's others out here. You've been around church a lot. You've heard the message of what Jesus did through the cross, through his resurrection. I mean, you believe it all, how he died for your sins. You've actually flirted with it. You've kind of tried it out a little bit, but it's never really stuck. Or maybe you've heard this all your life and you just have never made the decision to surrender. And right now, in this room, online, over there at Boardman, right now the Holy Spirit's tugging on you and you're ready to say yes and truly surrender for the very first time. So it's whether it's coming back to know him and get right with him or is asking him to come into your heart for the very first time, either or. Um, if you want me to pray with you this morning, just go ahead and lift up your hand. And I know all across, I got your hands. I got you, got you, got you, got you. Wow, got you. Hands up everywhere. Online, over there, boardman. Okay, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. As we pray this prayer, I, I just wanna make sure that you understand. You know, prayer makes us feel better. And that's a good part of, of, of prayer, but the kind of prayer we're praying is, is a kind of a prayer that we're talking about changing our lives. It's bigger than the moment. It, it's about us changing our lives. That It's about us living for what we were created for with this relationship with God. It's the start of all of that. It's coming back to all of that. So as we pray this today, come on, man, out of our hearts. It's a new day. Father, we thank you for the way you love us. God, we thank you for drawing us to you today by your precious Holy Spirit and forgive me for doing life my own way. Forgive me for all of my sin, for my rebellion. And thank you for loving me so much that you sent Jesus and through the cross, through his death and burial and resurrection, he is now at your right hand. And that amazing gift of your son has made it possible for imperfect, crazy, rebellious me to be made right with you to walk in this relationship I was created for. With you, Father, as my heavenly Father and with Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. And this day, take center stage in my heart and my life because from this day forward, I'm living for you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at Believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.